When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, August 19, 2021. I'm Ash Bennington, joined once again by Tom Thornton of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Uh, here's what we're looking at right now. Market close. Looks like the NASDAQ and the S&P pretty much unched. NASDAQ settling at 14,541. S&P 500 at 4,405. Russell 2000 down materially off 1.33% on the day to close at 2,129. Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, pretty much flat off a quarter of a percent to 34,871. The big mover, it seems, uh, this week has been the VIX. It's up, uh, looks like uh, about half a percent today, 0.65%, 0.41 points to 21 spot 71 but on the week the vix is up uh it looks like it looks like 36 percent 35.6 percent a substantial move uh on the vix this week other stories we're looking at we've got a fang update amazon and facebook news today amazon is planning to open several physical department store locations some big box retailers like target and best buy experienced declines in their share prices during the early hours of trading, but have since paired some of those losses. Finally, Facebook, new antitrust suit. Uh, the federal government, the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, filed a new complaint against Facebook today, this time after the initial antitrust complaint was dismissed in federal court in June. Uh, but District Judge James Bosberg has given the FTC a second chance to resubmit uh, since they have amended the complaint, Facebook has until October 4th to respond to the new complaint. Boy, that's an interesting juxtaposition, Tommy. You've got Amazon moving into more markets and Facebook getting smacked with another FTC complaint. Yeah, you're going to see a lot more of that, I think, with uh, Lena Khan, the new FTC uh, chairwoman. Uh, she is a rigorous uh, antitrust uh, advocate, and I think that that was a very big uh, surprise to many that uh, Biden selected her. She was known, but I think it's um, it's a real big step of of what's what's to come. And I think uh, two senators, uh, my senator Blumenthal in Connecticut, and uh, uh, one he they sent a letter to her regarding Tesla and the deceptive uh, autopilot marketing practice. So the, they're they're very aggressive. It's much different than the previous four years. Yeah. Speaking of rigor, Tommy, you are a rigorous uh, participant and watcher and analyst of these markets. What are you seeing happening in capital markets today? Gosh, I'll tell you, the markets are flat. 
and breadth in the market is atrocious. Uh, both the NYSE and NASDAQ composite almost down 2,000 issues each. And that that's really negative. But oh, of course, you have Apple and Microsoft uh, combined, which I think they're the two largest right now. Uh, they're up 1.46% combined. I have little monitors that customize uh, you know, different indices and I put those two together. But that's that really has held up this market. We've seen very narrow breadth uh, with the big, big mega cap names really holding up the place. And why wouldn't you buy Apple and Microsoft? They're great companies, they're printing money, they're buying back stock, they have dominant products. But, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I We could just run out of buyers in these names. And then again, the FTC or something could happen. Uh, Apple's already been uh, mentioned and, and looked at for their app store. Microsoft, I think they're, they're kind of out of the harm's way with uh, antitrust. They went through that already 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember Judge Penfield Jackson. That was one of the triggers uh, for the uh, eventual sell-off on the dot-com bubble back in what was it, April or May uh, of the year 2000. Uh, Tommy, you mentioned those. Go ahead. Oh, one, one thing. You know, that wasn't such a bad thing, however. You know, it wasn't like Microsoft was was dominating on the Internet, but they gave away their, their browser for free. And that's sort of not antitrust. Usually you sell something and you you make more money off of it. And they were really not so great. But I think, and it could happen with some of these big mega, mega cap names. Uh, it could be Facebook. It could be Amazon. It could be Apple. Uh, Google, obviously, is among the biggest. What might happen is they might just, you know, you know put a speed bump in front of them as far as them being able to go out and acquire companies or they might split up some things but microsoft actually when that they they couldn't do anything and their stock went sideways for 10 years but that also you could see new companies come around um uh, google's you know notable uh facebook is another one that that came on apple was able to really uh move their their itunes to you know both windows and their Mac platforms. And so sometimes these antitrust issues can, you know, spur innovation, spur new companies. And so there's there's a lot to talk about with all the antitrust stuff going around right now. So we'll leave that for uh, drinks later. Yeah. Tommy, let's talk a little bit about, uh, to switch gears back to something you uh, mentioned earlier, which were the market breadth indicators, your indicators. I believe you've actually shaped the Bloomberg terminal in terms of the way that these uh, indicators are set up. Give us a little bit of a 101 on this uh, for people who may not be familiar with market breadth and its significance in the way that you view markets. Right. I, I look at a lot of different things with market breadth. Um, and I don't like cumulative breadth. That's one indicator that I don't like, and it's used way too much. The the composition is, is, is faulty. But what I do like, and if someone has a Bloomberg terminal, uh, WEIB Go is one page that I helped um, the author uh, put together, and it looks at everything from intraday, you know, movers up, movers down, and then percentage of stocks above the 10, 50, and 200-day moving averages. And I like to look back with a lot of indicators and. 
for example, it's pretty simple. If you look at the percentage of stocks above the 50-day moving average, in the, let's see, I, I wrote it down here, the Dow, the NASDAQ composite, NYSE, Russell 1, 2, and 3,000, mid-cap 400, small-cap 600, all of those are, have more stocks under the 50-day moving average. And the S&P is around 55%, and it's still, I think, about a percent ish above the 50 day it bounced off of it i think it's going to be tested again uh, look we've seen this this since november 200 days of a market the s p has not gone down and corrected more than five percent and and what makes that a little concerning to me is markets need that up and down rhythm to take away some of the froth and it shouldn't be this easy where every day it just seems to move move higher. And it's lured a lot of people in this year as well. You've had more inflows in the first half this year than the last 10 years combined. And so there are a lot of new people and we've just had this very subtle move higher uh, with really no volatility in, until this week. So if we do see a pullback, sometimes when you don't have those pullbacks and, and, you know, just checking yourself on the way up and not letting people get in, there could be a larger dislocation. Now, I follow Tom DeMarc's work, as everyone knows, and Tom has been vocal seeing a lot of things, markets, in, indices in alignment, daily, weekly. Uh, we had the Dow, we had the S&P, we had the NASDAQ recently. Uh, it, the problem is we've had several other daily indicators that set uh, exhaustion signals over the last year. And we've seen pullbacks that are, you know, short-lived, two, three, almost 5% one time. And then it's right back and running straight up. So I think that right. we're, we're at risk right now. And if things start to unwind, there's a lot of option gamma that's rolling off tomorrow. In other words, there's a lot of people that have, that well, the dealers, Who've, who've had to hedge all the call buying, uh, they could have to unwind that. And if, if, well, they will have to unwind it with expiration. And that could, we've seen it happen in the past where it could, you know, see a little vacuum lower in the next couple of days. Could be tomorrow, could be Monday. So I, I just think that it's a very complacent market. The European markets had a bad day today, really bad. And there was a story around that, that the SM or the uh, Eurostock 600, the volume is so low right now. And of course, it's Europe. Everybody's you know, you know, at the beach. But still, it's that complacency that's that's right right now uh, happening. And if there's any sort of bad news, you're going to see some some things get whacked and and get whacked kind of hard. And we saw that with some of the retailers in in Europe. Yeah. I mean, it's such important context and I think framing around a market that when you look at the year to date chart, the one year chart, it just looks like a 45 degree angle up. These are really important internal dynamics to point out so that people can understand it uh, in a richer and fuller sense. By the way, Tommy, we're, we're being asked in the questions if this is pre-recorded. Are we pre-recorded right now? No, no, we're not. We're here. No, I think we, we are pre-recorded. We just went back in time and then broadcast this later because we've got oh, yeah. questions that we're answering. Yeah. I, I, gosh, I wish I, I, you know, we could do some psychic stuff, you know. Anyway, no, no, it's it's live. 
we just talk and have a nice time um, discussing the markets. And that's what I really like about the daily briefing because it's not scripted. We have some notes that we're talking about, but we just, it's you and me talking and we really enjoy each other. So let's continue on. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, and jump in and ask us your questions here so we can get them on the show. Tommy, we were talking a little bit off camera right before we got on uh, about WTI, uh, about Brent. What are you seeing in the oil markets today? We were really bullish on energy and uh, crude and energy stocks. And we had some DeMarc upside exhaustion signals in late June. And I sold everybody's energy stocks out. And I get more questions. I get so many questions overwhelming when can we go back in and buy energy stocks and one of the more frustrating things about this market i'm sure everybody will agree is that we don't have a lot of follow-through so you'll get this like one day big move in energy and all of a sudden the next day it's like uh, today it was materials china you know announced some stuff on on iron ore and that got killed i was telling people that i really like some of these materials and how they've they've been working and it looked like they could go on but you know there you go you have you know Alcoa down 11%, X down 7%. I mean, it was just like, ugh, not fun. But that's the frustration of this market. It seems like it's going up, but if you try and pick some sectors, you could get clipped the next day. It's lack of continuation. That's what's really frustrating to me. Yeah. We're also live on Twitter, Tommy. I'm seeing now live on Twitter. So if you'd like to drop some questions into Twitter, as well. Tom, I've got a question for you. It's kind of a non sequitur left field question. We're having this conversation. We've been talking now for uh, almost 15 minutes. One thing that hasn't come up uh, is what's happening in Afghanistan. This is a massively significant geopolitical story, uh, and yet it just doesn't seem to be getting any pickup in market circles. Why is that? Do you have a thought on that? There's no, I mean, there's, you know, rare earth minerals there that, um, down the road, uh, some country's going to go in there, probably China, and harvest. But China plays the long, long game, so they're they're not necessarily in need of, of you know, getting on, in the trucks and going to Afghanistan immediately. So that's, in my view, the um, wait. Hold on, sorry. Bloomberg TV just turned on. Live TV. Uh, so I I I don't think that you know there's really there's no energy there that it's not you know, an energy related issue. I think a lot of people are hugely disappointed with the way the US conducted this. And, you know, the idea of getting out of Afghanistan is an A plus, uh, the execution was an F. And, you know, I think it really just hurt the stature of how foreigners looked at America and the American leadership. Right. I, I think there's a big void of quality American leadership right now. And this this is, and I don't know really anybody on the horizon that I can jump on board and say, this is going to be, this is going to be the next one. So the, I don't think there's really any market related issue. If there was terrorism or other things happened, yeah, that would matter. But right now, the biggest concern in the market is most likely 
the COVID Delta, uh, it, it, we're seeing a lot of people, I think three senators today just announced that they got it and the Texas governor got it. Greg Abbott. Uh, another another uh, Real Vision Daily Briefing commentator got it. Uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but I hope he feels better. And they're and all we back. hear he's doing well, we should say. Good. Yes, he's fine. Uh, I, I think he's just pissed probably, which is probably more in his, you know, demeanor. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, if people are getting it and they've been vaxxed and I've been vaxxed, I'm sure you've been vaxxed. If, if we start to get it, I think that's going to be a bit concerning. And Scott Menard from Guggenheim was out today saying that the taper might be delayed if the impact of Delta becomes significant on the consumer. And yeah, that's possible. And, I, and look, everybody knows they're, the taper's coming. It's the, we, we know it's coming. They're gonna talk about it in Jackson Hole or the next Fed meeting, and it's probably gonna happen starting in December. It's so telegraphed. But if they start tapering with growth slowing and they have to taper, you know, I think it's gonna, it, the market could get a little nervous about that. So look, I, I think that this Delta thing's gonna probably get a lot more news uh, headlines in the coming weeks. And I, look, I certainly hope that it, it goes, you know, it calms down, but I, I think that's a real risk right now. And, and look, the other thing is growth could be slowing. And I've talked about it for months saying, look, once we get the reopening, there's, it's going to start to do this and become more normal. We've had this real big spike in inflation. We've seen, you know, some transitory things like travel, used cars, you know, things like that have really skewed those numbers higher, but wages are going to stay higher. Uh, prices on food and, you know, energy and, you know, uh, uh, travels or, uh, uh, you know, gasoline, it's, it's going to, it's going to stay high. You know, that's not coming down immediately. And that is going to be a problem for growth going forward. And it's going to hit the consumer hard. That's that's really, I think, starting to percolate. And one one last thing before I um, take the next question, you know, 2000, you know, we had this terrible market that came off of, you know, this, you know, the book, one of the best bull markets ever. And then it got nervous in the spring. It bounced back in the summer and everything was status quo. But some real big companies started to come out and guide numbers lower. And that's gonna be the thing that I believe in the third quarter, maybe starting in September, we're gonna see some, some slowdown. And that could be margin pressures, that could be a lot of different things. But if companies start guiding down, I think the markets are gonna really feel it. Yeah. You know, we've got some great questions coming into us uh, from Twitter from YouTube, uh, but I wanted to call back to something we talked about a bit earlier, which were the FANG stocks, this time in a slightly different context, uh, to set up a clip uh, from a show that we did today uh, with Rex Woodbury and Piers Kicks. This is live on the Essential Tier. Uh, the topic is the metaverse and big tech seeking to occupy that space. Let's take a look at the clip. The internet's evolving and, and so too most of the companies that were born from it. Um, and as far as those companies go, like there's relatively few that kind of possess the firepower to really, you know, orchestrate a, a sort of advance into this new digital frontier. Um, 
And Facebook owning Oculus, obviously, is like probably one of their best plays ever, I'd, I'd argue. Uh, it's sort of uh, obviously the dominant sort of standalone headset on the market. It's a primary winter into, into the embodied internet, as, as Zuckerberg also called it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful sort of chess piece there, right? In the same way that, you know, Apple kind of owns the hardware and, you know, with the iPhone and therefore decides everything that goes on it. The whole reason there's this big Epic versus Apple debate right now, you know, potentially Facebook is in exactly the same position now through Oculus, right? Um, they're clearly making a big bet on it. Um, you know, 20% of employees at Facebook work on Oculus is about 10,000 people. Well, there you have it. Facebook, especially, but other FANG stocks looking at the metaverse, trying to figure out ways, business opportunities, and how to explore that new space. Tommy, I understand you have a question for me about the metaverse. Yeah. What is the metaverse, please? I, I'm sorry. I don't know um, enough about it. I need to know about NFTs as well. Uh, so just sorry. I just don't know what the metaverse is. And it sounds something like a Mark Zuckerberg term that to take over the world. You know, Mark actually jumped in uh, on Metaverse about uh, 24 months after other people were talking about it. They're actually a little bit late to the party, but what it is, uh, is a shared virtual space. It's most fundamental level. Uh, it involves basically avatars, which are representations of you and of me uh, that will exist online so we can go and explore a virtual universe. It has elements of augmented reality, uh, virtual reality, and it's something that's obviously connected and delivered over the internet. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's great. You know what? I'm sort of living in the now right here, like yes. as a real human and trying to figure out what's going to happen in the real markets and yeah, more power to them. I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> but speaking of, um, uh, tonight is the Tesla day for, um, artificial intelligence. And what, now what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Well, okay, well, Tesla and Elon Musk, as everyone knows, has a rich history of doing these fabulous, you know, days. They did Autonomy Day, they did Battery Day, they did, you know, they released different cars and semi-trucks, semis and a cyber truck. And these are kind of these, these Elon Musk uh, presentations that oftentimes whatever he's talking about never comes true. And so Elon Musk, um, he has this uh, vision that uh, artificial intelligence of all the data that they've collected with their cars and the cameras and everything driving around will, uh, be, will go back to this giant, uh, massive computer. And it's called like ectotop computer. It's just, it's like the strongest computer in the world. And that's what he's going to talk about, how it's going to be this, you know, that's how they're going to, you know, power their autonomous cars and do everything uh, for Tesla. Yeah, I think they're a little further away from really doing this. And it, it might be just a bit of a distraction that Elon likes to talk about. But if anybody goes back and looks at the autonomy day in April of 2019, where a million robo taxis will be on the road by the end of the year and it was going to be this great uh, uh way for people to earn money with their cars when they're not using them and tesla was going to make billions of dollars on it as well well that's just so far away 
Uh, I think with Tesla, it's it's getting late for people's patience. I think the government's starting to crack down on their um, the, the the marketing of, of autopilot, full self driving. And people have paid ten thousand dollars for this feature that hasn't happened. So look, if the government really just you know clamps down and says you can't market this. I think there could be a real big class action suit against Tesla with all the people that have bought it. And Elon Musk saying it's coming in three to six months or next year, and it's going to be fabulous, and it's getting better, and we're on version 9.2 or 10, whatever. It's just, why are people beta testing this on open roads and with the thought that it is feature complete? And that's something that Elon Musk has said, oh, it'll be feature complete. It's so far away from feature complete. It's, 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 it's not even close. So that's going to be something I don't watch tonight. I'm not waiting up till midnight Eastern time to listen to that guy um, spew his garbage. Tell us what you really think, Tommy. I know, I know. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of the here and now, uh, some great questions coming in in the here and now from Twitter uh, and uh, YouTube. Here's one that comes to us uh, from MLC. And the question is, Tommy, any interesting DeMarc signals you're seeing right now? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot happening on the S&P, uh, the, the NASDAQ uh, 100. Uh, we had some in Apple uh, daily and just weekly uh, triggered last week. And, you know, one of the things that is important that people should understand that don't use DeMarc indicators, when you see these 13s and you can see in my post charts all the time on Twitter, there's a lot that goes into it that are maybe not on the charts that I'm looking at. Uh, but when you do see those 13s, the rule of thumb is you should see a price reversal within the next 12 days, or if it's a weekly 12 weeks. And if it doesn't happen, then the trend that's in progress can continue. And that that may may happen. We've seen this happen before. And you know the thing is, there's not an indicator that is absolutely 100% perfect, but this has a very good record uh, over the years. It may not necessarily be with the S&P uh, because it's, I think it's a very artificial index that, with these mega caps, but I use them in currencies, commodities, uh, Bitcoin has been great. Um, so I look, I think there's a lot of stuff happening. I think Bitcoin, by the way, uh, could move a little bit higher. I thought in this 45,000 level, it would probably stall. Uh, we did have a signal that would call for a bit of a stall. And then I think we could go a little higher. I'll put a po I'll post a chart that has the potential for 58,000. I'll do that. Yeah. Here's another one that comes to us from Vince. Uh, and the question is thoughts on precious versus hard metals and also ag. Oh, well, everything I killed today, I, I'm out of gold. I had a small position in gold, and that first down day, I said no moss. I, I stopped out. I was. I'm glad I did. Uh, it's bounced back, you know, 
here, but it, it's been making lower highs. And the thing is with gold is you really don't have any new buyers coming in. And that's the problem. When Paul Tudor Jones came on CNBC a couple of years ago and says, I love gold. I want to buy gold, you know, and that's his accent. He's got the Southern accent. I want gold. I'm going to 1700. I'll tell you. And and it did because people believed him and they came on board and they said, that's great. We're doing it. And it's kind of the same way with Bitcoin. If Elon Musk buys it or Michael Saylor buys it and you have this sponsor, you know, smart person buying it, rich person buying it, you're probably going to buy it. But gold to me is just dead money. And I think there's more fear of the taper and what the Fed's going to do than inflation. So, you know, gold is supposed to be the greatest inflation hedge. Well, Bitcoin may have taken some of its lust, you know, the, the luster of that. Uh, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not enthusiastic about any metals right now. They're very oversold. The sentiment on them is terrible. I don't like ag as well. I think those those will probably cool off as well. Um, and I might even look at, at reshorting some of those, um, the ag, you know, corn, wheat, uh, uh, sushi rice. No, I, 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 By the way, uh, can, you, can you do an impression of Ray Dalio as well? Do you have any other hedge fund managers in the stable? Uh, I, you know what, I, I once saw Ray Dalio dance at a party and he's like stiff, but I like Ray. He's, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's a member of my club. <laughs> uh, here's one uh, from Ralph. I'm just going to paraphrase this one a little, little bit. He's interested in, uh, any picks that you have in stocks, anything you're looking at that you think looks particularly interesting to you. Okay. I like. Ford a lot, and that actually did get uh, a DeMarc 13 buy signal the other day. Um, I, I starting to like FedEx again. That had a, a buy 13 the other day. Um, I'm just looking at my list here. Actually, I'm going to run a new one here. But the, like, I really like Ford a lot. And I think there's a lot of value in, in Ford. The problem they're having is they can't get chips like every other automaker except Tesla. Um, and, but they have, they have really good future products coming out and they're gonna deliver on those things. They're gonna be the first out with the Ford F-150 electric truck, the Mach-E, the uh, small four-door um, electric car has great reviews. Uh, it doesn't have all the you know bells and whistles of of Tesla, but it's it's solid and it does what it's supposed to do. Ford has pretty good service, uh, unlike Tesla, and I think people are going to look at it and say this is a better value considering they do get the big tax credit uh, that Tesla that you don't get with Tesla when you buy a Tesla. So that I think is a, a great stock. Um, I think it's really well managed, and. Um, I, I'm, I like it a lot. Um, so wait, I'm just looking at, oh, Caterpillar is getting there. Caterpillar is getting there on my list. Now, why? Why is that? What indicators? Uh, just, it, I got a DeMarc uh, buy countdown 13 today. And, and so when I get a buy countdown 13, and look, everybody thinks that DeMarc signals are all always bearish, but I have found a lot of bullish uh, signals. So Caterpillar is one that is, 
down there. Now, what I want to see is I want to see it make a four-day high. Uh, that will give me some confirmation that uh, it's starting to turn. And that's, I usually will buy a little on the 13 and then buy more on the four-day high and um, trade it that way. That's sort of my process. So those are a couple right there. Thomas, we get near the end here. Final thoughts, uh, sum up what you've been looking at and what you're going to be looking at going forward uh, and what your key takeaways are uh, since we've last seen you. Well, it's summer and the markets, you have a lot of participants that are out and there's going to be more of them out. Um, I get jealous when I see the out of office emails bounce back to me. Uh, I do think that the, the COVID Delta uh, stories are going to get louder. And I think that's going to cause some concern in the market. Yes, there's going to be more talk as well with getting a booster shot. And that's going to cause even more political you know, turmoil. But I think that's, that's what we're, we're worried about right now. The Fed is done. They're going to taper. They're going to announce it. Uh, when exactly and how much, that's all the, the, the question that we're, we're waiting for or to be answered. Uh, but that's basically it. I, I'm a little concerned. I think the markets are running out of steam, especially with the in, internals are weak. Breath looks a little, uh. So, I, you know, I just, I think that everybody should just play it a little safe right now. Seasonality is tough. And I don't think market sentiment is washed out at all. I think it's still actually rather high. And you know what? A correction is not the worst thing, but just have some cash, get ready to buy. I'm starting to see more, uh, buy signals starting to show up. I'm, I see, well, I'm not going to buy Alibaba. That's no, don't buy Chinese stocks. I think they're too, too shoppy, risky governments at war with them. Uh, Slumberger looks okay. It's getting there. Uh, and some of these energies, it's going to be a time to get back and buy them. They're cheap. They're well-managed through this period. Crude prices are relatively still high. So those are places that I'm going to look. I still like banks and long banks and long for for a bit that's about it i'm really looking forward to um you know getting into the fall getting into the, the the last half of the year which is my favorite time of the year and trying to just stay out of trouble that's it yeah you know kind of these summer doldrums we're now exactly it looks like one week out from uh jackson hole meeting uh, out in wyoming august 26th 28th obviously that's going to be uh, a key time for markets to assess what comes out uh, of there if it's not more just uh, Oracle at Delphi speak that can't be parsed. Yeah, it's going to be their boondoggle. They'll go out there and it's a lovely place and they're all going to talk their their talk and hopefully uh, we'll get some clarity of what their message is going to be. Bernanke, uh, was, I think he was the one that talked about uh, tapering uh, or, you know, started to change policy at, at Jackson Hole. So we'll see if Powell does it as well. I think he will. I think it's a it's a calm time to do it. Yeah. Great way to wrap it up. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Thanks. See you, Ash. And thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for your questions. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.